<sighs> hey, Nate, what's going on, man? Dude, where the hell have you been? I've just been so busy. It's the holiday time, and uh, everybody's ordering stuff, and they're like, hey, I have to get stuff. So then I'm just getting more and more buried. And then it's like, well, I've got to buy people things, and I don't have time to get them. So then I order things, and it's just this big, vicious cycle. It's basically Christmas in the stars. That's, that's very Bon Jovi, I think, of you. But you realize I've been sitting here waiting, ready to record, right? Uh, you're already all completely set up? Yeah, I've been here for a few. What, like a few minutes? It's not that big a deal. I mean, I'm usually a few Weeks. minutes late. Wait. Oh, crap. Okay, let's just do the show. Enjoy your stay. What have we here? I suggest a new strategy. You truly belong here with us, fucking club. Don't get excited. Welcome, scoundrels, to another episode, possibly the last one of the year, maybe, question mark, we'll see when I can jam one out, I doubt it, this is probably the last one of the year, Um, and first one in quite a while that we've done, so you've either A, uh, been really anticipating this episode, or forgotten about us completely, I'm betting on the second one, Uh, so let's ask the uh, other host... The guy that you heard earlier, Nathan P. Butler. What do you think, man? I think people have been waiting with bated breath. There's actually been gaming news. This is a gaming podcast, and they're probably sitting there going, where are Nathan and Michael to gripe about everything this time? Wait, huh? <laughs> what? Do we have a reputation? Um, so, yeah, there, there's uh, there's been... Scarif, I suppose, and then uh, also the the VR mission that I have actually played. I haven't played Scarif, but I played the VR mission because of you. Yeah, you actually made the drive again. That's that's what's happening. They just need to keep releasing a little bit of VR content, and Michael will make the drive. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're going to wind up talking about other content in a future episode. We're talking X-Wing and Armada and all that kind of stuff in an upcoming episode. We just wanted to make sure we didn't let the year go by without hitting the last DLC that we know of, at least, for Battlefront. So I guess uh, some details on Scarif were appropriate, perhaps. Um First off, I guess I should say, if you are someone who is in the same boat as a lot of players, which is they did the update to the game that added Scarif for Season Pass players, and when you went into the game, it turns out, oh, wait, all of my Season Pass DLC content shows that I haven't bought it. What the hell? Um, Don't worry. Sign into your platform with the same account that you got the Season Pass with and just re-download, and it'll take a matter of seconds, and you'll be good to go. Basically... The newest game update requires a change to the way they handle licenses and whatnot for the game. So you just need to re-download the quick little licenses in like less than five seconds each, and you'll be good to go. Uh, A lot of people freaked out about this, and for some reason, not a lot of, you know, helpful assistance coming from EA on that one. They're just kind of leaving it hanging and saying, oh... I guess people might come to the forums, and if they come to the forums, I guess they might see one of the fan-posted uh, explanations of how to fix it. That's enough. No, no, it isn't. But 
at least it's getting the job done. Uh, I, for uh, one, am shocked. I would have thought EA would have been right on this issue. No, no, not so much. <laughs> although, uh, although, hey, it's bringing a lot of traffic to my YouTube channel because I use the live stream feature and just explain to people how to fix it. And I'm getting all kinds of thank you, thank you, thank you. And then there's every once in a while you get the, he talks about a bunch of irrelevant crap before he actually gives you the solution. Of course, (laughs) the irrelevant crap is here's how to access the VR mission, I think is Mm -hmm. what it was. But whatever. Um, So Rogue One Scarif dropped and so did the VR mission. It was all one big update. You do have to download the VR mission separately, though, as opposed to the licenses that you just download for the DLCs. This brought us a new mode called Infiltration. It is a uh, three-stage mode where basically the first part, you're in space over Scarif. It doesn't exactly match the film. Uh, You're in space over Scarif, and the Rebels are trying to get a U-wing through the shield gate. So it's basically the Empire trying to run out the clock as the Rebels try to get a U-wing to a certain objective marker by the shield gate. And essentially, as time runs out, it goes from one U-wing trying at a time to two to three. So... There's that part, then it jumps you down to the ground, and you're back in sort of infantry mode again, if you want to call it that, and basically the Rebels are trying to blow up one of two, not both, of these two Imperial shuttles. You basically go there, set a charge, stand by it so it doesn't get turned off, kind of like in Sabotage. It blows, you move to the next one, time runs out, the Empire wins. Last stage, then, has basically the Rebels grabbing three sets of Death Star plan tapes, for some reason, from inside this bunker and then running towards a waiting U-wing to escape with the plans, which kind of reminds me of the stuff we saw in the trailers for Rogue One that wasn't actually in the movie. But basically, (laughs) those three are running towards that point, and as long as one of them gets there, you're Uh fine. But if you get killed while you're carrying it and you can't use a jump pack or you drop it, uh, which I guess is fair, um, but if you get killed while you're carrying it, it just kind of sits there and if the Empire can guard it for a certain amount of time, it resets back to the bunker. If they, if you can get to it bef- and keep the Empire from securing it before the time runs out, you can just pick it up and run it from where it left off. So there's a level of sort of point defense, but you never quite know where it is because it's just wherever it gets dropped. And if they get to the end, then the Rebels win. And if the Empire again runs out the clock before they can get to the U-Wing, then the Empire wins. Um, it also, as part of that, introduced four new maps. We've got a space map over Scarif. We've got a jungle map, a beach map, and a landing pad map. Unfortunately, that means it kind of like Battle Station, you're always seeing the same first part of Infiltration, and I think even the second part of Infiltration, and it's the last part that changes, kind of like in Battle Station on the Death Star. The first and last parts were always the same, but it was the middle that could change. Um, there are also four new hut contracts. Jin's Solution gets you her A180 pistol. Which, if you use it, it replaces your three star cards completely. But each of the different things you can click that would have been a star card basically lets you switch between modes. There's like a pistol mode, an ion mode, uh, a rifle extension mode, uh, and a sniper mode to it. There's also a Krinix offense, which is basically like a six shooter. It's basically a blaster, but instead of overheating, it works on regular reloads. And it's relatively powerful and fast firing. You got to fire it manually. Uh, you got Grenadier 1 and 2 then, which gives you the Sonic Imploder. It's an explosive that looks like the grenades in the movie, but has nothing to do with the grenades in the movie because they act completely different. <laughs> okay. Um, drop it at somebody's feet, and it will damage them. Um, 
Otherwise, if it's not right at somebody's feet, it's like a flash grenade, basically. So it's a flash grenade that could theoretically do damage right at the point of impact. Uh, and then this brought two new... I'm trying to think of, make sure everything's in here. Uh, it brought two new heroes slash villains. We've got Jen Urso and we've got Krennic. Jen, for her part, has... Uh, the ability to switch her weapon into a rifle mode. She has a sonic imploder that is much more powerful than the regular one. And she has a truncheon, which is her little staff thing that she can smack people with. Um, Krennic then has an armor breaker shot that is one shot. Then he has to wait and reload, but it's insanely powerful. We're talking okay. like about a third of the health of a hero in one shot powerful. Um, Damn. He can deploy a... An astromech that has a scanning ping, so you can see enemy outlines, and deploys a shield, and anyone who gets close gets blasted with dioxys gas for a slow, painful death. Um, and then you've got the, uh, the new U-Wing that's been added into the game, and the TIE Striker, which aren't playable for the most part. Like, if you're in the first part of Infiltration, you can fly a U-Wing. Otherwise, on the other parts, if you get the U-Wing power-up, you're basically the side gunner with that... Gatling gun kind of thing from up above. You're the, uh, and the, the ties, space monkey? Yeah, like Bistan, the monkey dude. <laughs> um, that, that everybody keeps saying is a Bothan. No, no, it's not. Um, and the TIE Striker, a little disappointing. The TIE Striker, you basically pick up the power-up, and TIE Strikers appear in the skies overhead to act as cover. I've yet to see anybody actually killed by a TIE Striker, and I'm wondering if they're only useful in maybe going after the U-Wings if somebody's already spawned in one of those. Um, but yeah, so it added a little bit of what we'd expect, you know, new mode, new maps, also playable in other modes, couple of new characters to play with, few new hut contracts, really kind of par for the course at this point, uh, in the game. But you can still only drive one of the four spaceships with the exception of the cloud car. Yeah, there's no, there's no <laughs> new ships. In fact, in, I guess in, to make it in keeping with Rogue One, when you do play that first segment of Infiltration, if you're a Rebel, the only option is an X-Wing. If you're an Imperial, the only option is a TIE Fighter. You cannot play an A-Wing or Interceptor in that mode at all, for some reason. Um, that's pretty much what I would expect, but, I mean, whatever. <laughs> you're, just, you're just not expecting anything, though from Battlefront anymore. It, that, that's been clear as we've talked about the previous DLCs. You're just kind of like, whatever. It's, it's, it's like you've given up. You know, rebellions are built on hope. And apparently so is, you know, the fan base for DLC. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know how, uh, I, I'm not sure how much hope is going to be around for Battlefront 2 though. They really got to, they got to pick it up. They got to, I mean, that that's the thing is, I feel like they've had the time to say, look, guys, we we had a false start, but here we go. And, and I expected it to kind of come with this one. Well, I didn't expect as much as I I hoped. You know, I felt like this was their opportunity. And it sounds like this one actually gave us a decent amount of content, but not enough to make up for what came out last time that, you know, just straight up enraged me i think this one feels a lot more like say outer rim mm -hmm. right i feel like i'm getting more out of playing infiltration 
than when I was that kind of like when I was playing Extraction as opposed to playing Battle Station. I think it's really just because um, the the main focus of the game is the on foot combat as opposed to the starfighter combat. Whereas Battle Station used two of its modes for that and always the same maps. This one spends more time, you know, on the ground. It varies the the mission objectives well. So it's it's a fun mode, but it is still kind of a slog. They upped the level cap or rank cap to 100 now and made a shore trooper captain not just any shore trooper because if you are playing on scarab as an imperial you are a shore trooper unless you're using like an imperial officer outfit or something right um, but as a shore trooper captain you can get and then of course use on other maps but it's rank 100 uh, i was fortunate i played to knock out the four hut contracts and got to level 93 i, I was at 90 the previous cap before that and then played more over that uh, double XP weekend over the Christmas weekend and managed to hit 100. And pretty much as soon as I hit 100, I just sat it down like, <laughs> I'm like, good. I don't know if they're going to do any more contracts because I did the math, right? I mean, I've played and not only have I gotten to each of those levels, once I've gotten to the level cap, I've still done live streams. I've still got quite a bit of credits, you know, beyond the credits that tied into the XP that I had used to do the leveling up. Because once you're at the cap, you don't get XP, but you can still get credits. And I looked, and it was like, if I wanted to get all the other costumes that I haven't unlocked, all the other emotes I haven't unlocked, I've done all the star cards and stuff like that by now, all the hut contracts by now, I would still need like 200 plus thousand credits to do it. And given that every time you level up, you're only winding up with 8,000 that's insane. They've put way more stuff to unlock into the game from the get-go than realistically you could do if you hit every level cap every time and then kept playing for, I don't know, five to ten hours, give or take. So knowing that and knowing that I'm not going to get all the stars on the battle missions, the single-player type things, just because I don't feel like putting myself through that meat grinder and that grind – Um I don't know. I mean, I feel mm -hmm. like I, I, I don't want to delete it off the hard drive. I, I'm waiting to see if they're going to put out any other new free update content, which they do from time to time. But I'm wondering how much support we're going to see now that the last DLC is out because the money-making aspect of the game is now done. Anything right. beyond this is just gravy for the players, pretty much. Right. Um, but, see, this is... Mm, this could kind of go one of two ways. I think at this point we'll see the true merit of uh, DICE slash EA slash Lucasfilm. Who, whoever's really calling the shots here, right? That's, that's making um, the decisions. Because at this point, they know they have a pretty anemic game. You know, I mean, we paid essentially twice as much uh, for for the game, if if we bought that that extra content, like, and it's it is very much under. I mean, I would say, I would say at this point, with all the DLC, it might be somewhere around a regular game. I I still kind of even wonder if it's not a little shy of of what I would expect from from the game just on on launch day um but but either way there's a lot that they can do um there, there's several several things that uh i think that they need to do just to get 
you know, just to gain goodwill from its player base. And if, if they're not, you know, if they're past their, if they're past the season pass DLC, now's a good time to start working on giving out, you know, basically giving the stuff that should have been in the game from the very beginning that still isn't, you know, um, be it letting us fly in a Y wing, um, or, you know, maybe, uh, making some of the hero, uh, you know, villains versus heroes are now I can't even get the, the, the game mode, right. But, you know, letting some of these game modes kind of expand past just the few levels that they're in things like that, that really wouldn't be huge tweaks, but, um, would, would go a long way for the replay value of the game. Yeah, I think that, and this is something that came up the last stream that I did, somebody asked kind of the pointed question, the obvious question, right? Which was the, okay, you know, game's out, season passes done, was it worth it question? And given, you know, purchasing the game at a $60 price tag, getting the season pass at a $50 price tag. So basically we're talking about, like you said, kind of a double cost mm-hmm. game. Uh, and we're talking a, a full retail game. You know, you look at things like PlayStation VR lately, and there's a lot of merit to be found in games that cost like 20 bucks. Right. Um, and are shorter but more interesting experiences. Um, I think I feel like this game at this point is the equivalent of like a ba- from a price standpoint – I think now they could finally justify the $60 price tag, maybe even a $70 or $80 price tag at most, um, because there is more to it. And yeah, it doesn't have the modes that a player like me usually would be looking for in a Star Wars game, the, the single player campaign, some kind of broader thing other than just constantly monotonous, repetitive multiplayer with no s- heavier substance to it, which is kind of what it is. But not, but I'm not the target audience for a game like this. I'm a Star Wars fan, which makes me that target audience, but I'm not the online multiplayer first-person slash third-person shooter constantly online, doesn't care about story. It's all about progression, kill-death ratios, and stuff like that. I think putting it in that context, it probably is now not quite worth what it should have been what we what we paid, um, but it's certainly digging into the financial side of like okay, it's now if you got all the DLCs, it's now worth the base cost and maybe a little of the DLC. I would argue that anyone who hasn't picked it up, who might want to pick up the ultimate edition, which is the one that comes with all of the DLC already as part of it for forty bucks. At this point, the ultimate edition. I think that's worthwhile. I think it's a oh, fun yeah. enough experience if you're playing with friends or if you're streaming that 40 bucks and you got all these new modes added by the DLC, that's a good deal. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, I, I agree with that 100%. I, I think that um, that the Ultimate Edition is... Um, I, I think Ultimate? That, yeah. I, I think <laughs> you're getting more than what you're paying for. Um but uh, you know, you and I, who who bought in a hundred percent from day one, they owe me some crap. Oh, so it's like an averaging, right? <laughs> right. One gets a little more, the other gets a little less. It all evens out in the end for EA. It's okay. Right. No, not 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 for <laughs> us, man. Yeah, I mean that's and like I said, the the main thing is, you know, even if you and I were just like, 
totally just like, oh, it doesn't matter. It's so great. We love it. The the player base as a whole, um, or you know, gaming fans and stuff, the the general concept is screw this noise, you know? Um mm-hmm. and like I said, when it comes time to putting out Battlefront 2 or whatever they're gonna call the next one, uh they've gotta they've gotta you know, do a lot to make us say, oh, okay. You know, you and I will get it because, of course, we you know we want to review it and, and talk about it and everything. But everybody else, you've got to you've got to like sell that to them, and you can't do it by saying check out these awesome cinematics like they did this time. Because you're gonna be like, mm-hmm. yeah, um, that's great. Where's my game modes? You know, uh, John Boyega is gonna be asking. You know, oh, is there gonna be a a, a story mode? Like, what's up? <laughs> you know, I, it's just they've they've gotten too much bad press on this game of, of essentially churning out an incomplete game that mm, they, you know, I, I think for their own sake, you know what I mean? Not just, mm-hmm. not just like for me personally, for their own sake, they really need to look into to fixing this, you know, to, to, um, I, I think the way to do it, I mean, there, there's one of two ways to do it, which is either A, for the next game to really market and show how, like, we're so sorry about last time, check out how cool this is, or B, um, make this game what it should be, and, you know, not by saying, oh, it's your second season pass, or more DLC that you can pay for, or whatever, but just being like, we're just adding stuff for free, um, and then, and then maybe you can get some of the, the players that are saying, no, this game is awesome now. Like, oh my God, you can do this and blah, 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 whatever. Uh, but they, they've got to do one of the two, I feel like. Yeah, I definitely think that there, there's been a trust erosion uh, right. to an extent here. It's, and part of it though, I would say that, you know, it's the squeaky wheels that get the grease, so to speak. And we talk a lot of, uh, about the idea that, you know, online, the squeaky wheels that are out there usually are the people that are just griping. You know, that you, mm-hmm. a lot of times the silent majority may be the people who like what they've gotten but aren't passionate enough about it to get on and praise it. Whereas the people who feel snubbed by it feel passionately enough about being snubbed that they're out there tearing it apart. But the forums for this game are pretty ugly. A lot of mm-hmm. the time, even the official one um, doesn't get into, you know, a lot of swearing and stuff like that at the at the developers or anything. Uh, but there's a lot of complaining, a lot of missed opportunity, a lot of it's it's much more. Why couldn't they have done this and griping about it than it is positive? Um, I think that they've learned a lot from this game that hopefully will be able to be used for the next one. They've learned they need a freaking story mode. Um Hopefully they've learned that they need more ships than the ones that they added to this game. <laughs> yeah. But I'd like to think that getting towards those later DLCs and the fact that they have these multi-stage type of scenarios where it's not just the same map and, okay, defuse these bombs, now run for the point. But actually, this map and this scenario, okay, if the Rebels win, they got to go to the next scenario. Different map, different scenario, and on and on, that kind of thing. I think that is... Is a good model to go with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's I agree. just a question of whether or not, you know, like what are they going to do? But whatever they do, uh, you're right. I think that there's, in a way, this is kind of the Star Wars No Man's Sky, 
right? As you had <laughs> right, right, comparison right. before, that there were a lot of sort of high expectations going into it, and then most of them not being met, and a lack of modes that were assumed should have been there, not assumed to have been there because they said early on no story mode. Um, but a lot of things expected to be there based on previous Battlefront games and whatnot, just not even part of the grand plan for the game. Whenever they do the marketing for the next one, we need to be seeing a lot of actual gameplay, not cinematic stuff. Even the, even now, they were running the trailer for Rogue One Scarif DLC, and you're like, what does that have to do with the game? I mean, I sort of get you're kind of using character models from the game. And saying this is in-engine footage, and I'm like, real? Not really. <laughs> right. I mean, this isn't really what you're getting when you're playing it. Um, so they really need to focus on gameplay. They need to, assuming they're going to have a campaign slash story mode, whatever, they need to emphasize the crap out of that. Um uh, they may even want to go so far as to be very specific about, you know, X number of offline modes, offline story modes or whatever. Play online or offline every mode or something as opposed to people now complaining with, you know, how Skirmish is basically very limited. At least it's there now, though. It wasn't in the beginning. Um, you don't get XP. It's not a lot of offline content and so on. Just they need to basically look at what went wrong and highlight how they're updating it. It's going to look like a company basically bowing to the pressure of the audience. It's going to look like they're pandering to the audience that was angry about the previous one. But you know what? That's what they need to do. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, you can call it something other than pandering, but pander your butt off because you're going to need to win back some of that trust. Oh, yeah. Um because, you know, right, these days, I mean, pre-orders are everything as, as, as far as getting the game out there, getting that installed base, getting the season passes pre-sold, and getting the numbers that look good in the gaming media to be able to, to at least drive some of that hype for the week or so before the reviews start really piling up on something like Metacritic. So, yeah, you're right. They, they've got to do something. I do feel like this game... Even though it has yet to reach the point where it's worth what we paid for it, I think that now for someone who wants to jump into it, and I would do it soon before the, the player base starts to fade away. Um, <laughs> you mean more so than... More so than it has already. <laughs> right, right. Um, I do think that this would be a good time to jump into it if you're just looking into it. And the fact that you know you can get it... I think Amazon is selling the Ultimate Edition for like 25 bucks, oh. and it retails for 40 I mean, yeah, now that, is a that's... perfect time to jump into it because you don't even have to wait for the DLC. It's all there. Just know that what you're getting is probably all you're going to get. i got to imagine somebody is just playing the game now. They're listening to this episode um, or, or, or a previous episode. Uh, I can think of one specifically. And they're like... I don't know what these guys are so upset about. I bought the ultimate edition on Amazon for $25 and I think it's well worth it. And we're like, this is not worth what we paid for. <laughs> They're like, these guys are just really mad. Like, Son, let me tell you a little bit about something I like to call <laughs> math. <laughs> uh, but of course there was the other add on and this was a, a was big news. This was of course the X rogue one X wing VR mission. I played that uh, totally free. You can just, Download it, but you don't have to download it if you don't have PlayStation VR, so it's not sucking up hard drive space. Um, what you got with this is basically the only story content ever to arrive in Battlefront. Um, 
And essentially, you are an X-Wing pilot. You are a rookie. I think you're Red 4, if I remember correctly. Yep, Red 4. And it's you and three other pilots. And you receive a distress call. These are just minor Rogue One spoilers, I guess. You receive a a distress call because we're past the point in the movie where K2SO and the Rebels uh, rescue Jin from the Wobani labor camp. And they're on their way to Yavin 4 so she can meet with Mon Mothma and Draven and all them. Uh, so the U-Wing carrying her uh, has experienced some issues, and basically your X-Wings leap in, leap in to join and become an escort for K-2SO flying the U-Wing, and they wind up encountering TIE fighters and a Star Destroyer, and then have to jump away to safety after a brief battle. Um, it's not a an overly complicated scenario, but you, I mean, it's, it is, full. some of us can make it that way, but yeah, yeah, you just, <laughs> you decided when they say now, you know, follow my lead and jump to hyperspace. There's a spot marked you're supposed to go to, to jump to hyperspace. And he's just wandering all over the map and then can't figure out how to get it to go to hyperspace. He's like, where am I supposed to go, man? And it's not, you, you were in circles for what? Five or six minutes. It was, it was way longer than it needed to be. Um, <laughs> But it's not my fault because, of course, you know, typically when, when, when you play Battlefront, you are the overhead view, whereas this mm-hmm. is the cockpit view because it's to be in, in uh, VR, and you can't stick me in an X-Wing with a whole bunch of buttons that light up and not expect me to hit every single one. That's just an unrealistic expectation, I feel. That, that, that may be true. That may be true. <laughs> um, so I guess to describe what you're getting here, um, I know we're trying to cram this in in a fairly short amount of time. Um, you start the scenario. You, you go into the regular Battlefront game and choose VR mission and choose start. And then it will kick in for PlayStation VR. So you may already be wearing the headgear, the HMD, but you're just getting that cinematic mode where it's just like playing on a big TV screen or movie screen in front of you. It then kicks into real VR, and you've got you're basically in this white area with an ATAT stomping over your head, which kind of freaked Michael out. Um, <laughs> that was really which, sweet. Uh, and then you hit start, and instead of going straight into the scenario, you're standing in this basically blank white area um, with an X-wing in front of you and some gear around the X-wing, like you know cargo boxes and such. And you can you can't walk around the X-wing freeform, but you can jump to different specific points around the X-wing to kind of check it out and look at it. And then when you go back towards uh, the cockpit area, then you can click on the actual like area where you would sit and you get a chance to look down into the cockpit. Uh, then you click again and you're sitting in the seat. And at this point, you don't see your body. So you can play with the buttons. Uh, you can look behind you and you see your astromech through the little window you know, kind of play around with the different buttons and whatnot. There's one that actually turns on your targeting computer and turns it off so it flips out next to you and everything. Um, then you choose a gender, male or female. You choose whether you want your flight controls inverted or not, and you hit start, and it throws you into the mode, and then you're flying in the X-Wing, and you're controlling it pretty much exactly the same as controlling any other X-Wing in the game. Um, the only difference being that instead of just having shield and proton torpedoes, and boy, is that shield necessary once the starter <laughs> oh, shows yeah. up. Um you also have the ability to use the triangle button to do the boost. So you do have a boost option. So it's a little bit more versatile. Um, and, of course, it's in VR. So you're sitting there. Now you actually do have a VR body um, beneath you. So you're seeing your hands as it's you know it's moving the control sticks and, and whatnot. 
Um, and you can press all your little buttons and just play through the scenario. It's very straightforward, um, but it's very hard to describe for someone who hasn't actually tried VR. But if you have tried, say, like Eve Valkyrie or um, if you've tried the Jackal Assault mission for Call of Duty Infinite Warfare, they play very similarly to this. Think all all of the gameplay of Fighter Squadron for X-Wing, or for X-Wing, for Battlefront, except now it's in VR, so the cockpit view is actually really cool instead of really restrictive. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, in fact, if unless you had anything else you wanted to really hit, I was wanting to kind of just explain my... Uh, my yes, little walkthrough yes. with it since we just did this. But, um, yeah, so, so you hop in, and the first thing I noticed was I, I loved the, the texture of the actual flight suit. Um, like, it, uh, like being in the 501st, uh, you know, we do a lot of stuff with the Rebel Legion, and I was like, you know what? That looks really close to the texture of um like what their suits are you know when i see those guys walk around you so you have an entire x-wing at your disposal and you're checking out your clothes well that's just the start of it <laughs> i mean then again i can't i can't uh, explain the rest of it i'm like okay and there's also a bunch of buttons some of them i know what do others don't um like here's one thing that's interesting you could it's not very um it's it's not super uh, not useful, but I mean, useful works, but efficient? It's, yeah, yeah, there we go. Let's go with efficient. I like that. So it's not very efficient, but you could theoretically, um, do everything in the X wing, uh, with, except for the actual flying portion by touching buttons in the X wing. So for instance, if you hit the right button in there, it turns your shield on, uh, or, you know, it'll, um, cause the S foils to open and close. Um, there's one that I think just bugs the crap out of your, uh, R2 unit. Uh, there actually may be a couple of buttons that do that. Cause every time I hit it, it's just like, pew, 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 pew. and I'm like, I don't know what that does, but he sounded like he was annoyed. Um, there's the, uh, the targeting computer, like you mentioned, which I made sure to only have on at the exact right times, which was, um, nowhere near actual battle. Uh, <laughs> I then turned it on when I'm like, oh, okay, that's what that does. And then as soon as the battle's over and you jump to hyperspace, I'm like, oh, I need to turn that targeting computer on. Nate's just like, did you, did you find yourself when you had it on because it obscures your view? Because I mean, it's all that, it's it's all the stereoscopic 3D, right? So it's like it's right. right in front of you. Do you find yourself kind of like ducking your head to the side, being like, I need to see around this damn thing? Um, no, because I was just like, yeah, hey, the targeting computer's on. And then when it's like, okay, I need to actually get into battle. I'm like, let's click. Let's get that out of the way. <laughs> no wonder Luke was like, or, or not, I guess not Luke, because he was just like, yeah, I'm going to do what I'm supposed to. And then everyone's like, turn the damn targeting computer off. That's a really, really bad Alec Guinness. Uh, uh, I keep on saying interpretation, but that's not the word. Um, sorry, my brain is mangling. No, uh, um, what's the thing where you try to sound like somebody? Impersonation? That's the one. My brain is still fried from working uh, 14 hours nonstop. But anyhow, uh, what was I saying again? Yeah, okay, so. You were talking about all the buttons and you got on the targeting computer and we mm -hmm. just kind of went off. We, we went off the map like you kept doing on purpose. Yeah, so, so basically, yeah, you're supposed to jump into hyperspace, but of course I've broken the game. Um, and you're like, no, you just go through those lanes. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go through the lanes. 
and you're like, well, there's the button's supposed to light up so you can go into hyperspace. I'm like, yeah, the button's not lighting up. Well, turn around and try again. Turn around and try again. It didn't do it this time either. And it took like four times. I don't know what I was doing wrong exactly other than I was just jacking around way too much to start with. Um, and then, of course, they're all like, oh, come on, Red Ford, we're waiting on you. And I'm like, this is really inefficient. Like, I can't believe I haven't been kicked out of Red Squadron <laughs> because, like, the entire fleet, the entirety of the fleet is just waiting on me as I'm just zooming around in circles. Um, but once you once you jump, then you hit that asteroid field to start with, which I thought was a lot of fun. I, I thought that that was uh, really cool because it's, it's like, very dense um, with asteroids. And, of course, they're like, dodge the big ones and blow up the little ones. Um, I don't know. Just to me, like I said, that was a really cool experience. And then, of course, you go and you see, I guess it was the... Um, the U-Wing, that, that's the first thing you have to do. You, it shows up and you have to kind of escort it. And blow mm, up yeah, TIE and the, star fi- the, the TIE fighters come before the... Because uh, the, the TIE fighters come, then the ship the U-Wing's supposed to dock with comes. It gets blown up and in comes the Star Destroyer. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, so then you start kind of having to uh, sort of strafe the, the Star Destroyer and, and really hit your shields and stuff. Um, of course, you, you have to save... Um, one of your your wingman wingmen, um, at one point, and I'm asking Nate, I'm like, do I have to save him? This guy's been kind of a dick to me the whole time, because <laughs> he's just like, I, I guess so. I've never let him die. <laughs> I'm like, fine. It's just three Tie Fighters. I guess I'll take him out. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I had a lot of fun playing that one, and that, you know, yeah, it was it was really short. But I was like, there, this should be a part of the game. There's like, if they can do this, I'm like, why can't they just throw this up for just a few more things? Like, this was a lot of fun. So, what's up with that? I really liked it. I, I think I've been spoiled by Eve Valkyrie mm-hmm. though because of I. I was always looking for okay, what can, what can my head tracking lock on to? What kind of other thing can I? Oh, that that doesn't exist in this because it wasn't really designed control wise for VR. It's designed to give you the same controls you would have within the regular game, so it's an instant familiarization. Um, but yeah, I thought it was fun. I like the fact that it does connect into the film. It's not just some random scenario, and it's kind of like what you make of it in a lot of mm-hmm. ways. Like, you know, you could be just tooling around in your X wing when it's when it first starts. Or when the fleet shows up, you can look up. And if you look up, there's a Corellian Corvette coming over yeah. your head. Um, if you are in the midst of, like, the middle of the battle area, as opposed to off to one of the sides, uh, when the, Corre- the I guess the other Corvette, I think it is, uh, shows up to get the U-Wing, I think it's called the Valiant, maybe? And it turns out that the Star Destroyer shows up. If you're in the right place, that Star Destroyer, like, fills your view out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it makes for a cool scenario. The the voice acting was okay. The writing was meh, you know, kind of hit or miss, just kind of there. Um, but it shows the potential of what a Star Wars VR game could do. And there was a point where when they announced this, they made it sound like they were also developing a full VR Star Wars Battlefront game. Um, and then there's been no mention of that since, which I don't know if that means that it's just gone 
or if that means they're trying to do something like maybe a Resident Evil 7 thing where you can play Battlefront 2 in and out of VR, or if it was just someone misspeaking, unfortunately, probably the most likely case. <laughs> um, but it just, it's, the immersion was really solid. I mean, you first jump into it and it just feels like Star Wars. And it's funny because the music makes a big difference. We're talking about music in the films. Uh, when I live stream, I have to turn the music off because otherwise you get those immediate copyright hits for the music from YouTube and it gets oh, blocked yeah. in some countries. And I've got Canadian viewers who can't see my stuff when that happens. So I turn all the music off. Well, by the time Michael played, I had turned the music back on because I wasn't streaming for a few days. So he got the experience with like the, the triumphant music at the end, jumping to mm -hmm. hyperspace and everything. And I didn't. And I feel like that would have been a, a very different emotional experience when playing it to hear the music. Now, granted, it's not Rogue One music. It's music like from the previous films, John Williams music. But, you know, there's it, it creates a great atmosphere to it. I just there's a part of me that sits back and says, why were people like almost in tears when they played this for the first time at these game conventions? Mm -hmm. But again, I think the only thing that that kept me from having a big emotional response, not from a music standpoint, but just was the fact that, you know, I had this amazing sense of holy crap when I first jumped into the cockpit of Eve Valkyrie. Um, if my, that was my first experience hopping into a VR cockpit and it was an X-Wing, then I think that would have been a mind-blowing kind of thing. So I could sort of see it. Um, but there's not a whole lot to it. This is not something to buy the game for necessarily. I mean, it's a quick thing. But from what I can tell, it does require the game to play it. Like Call of Duty Infinite Warfare's Jackal Assault mission, you don't even have to own the game. You download it as a standalone, like, downloadable title and just play the one mission and that's it. This, you access it through the main menu on Battlefront. I don't think there's a way to access it as a standalone, so you do have to own the game to be able to actually play the VR mission this time. And of course, you know, just I guess stating the obvious here, this is a PlayStation VR exclusive thing. So even if you are a PC player of Battlefront, this is not available, at least not at this point, for the uh, HTC Vive or Oculus Rift. If you want to do the VR mission, it must be done in VR on PSVR on a PS4. That is the only option available to you, at least for the moment. But certainly a pretty awesome experience, and it gives you the sense that, hey, you guys do remember what storytelling was like. Mm -hmm. I, you fooled me. So, <laughs> I don't know, hope yeah. for Battlefront 2, I guess, which we'll get in less than a year. Yeah, and that's, like I said, that's all I want. To me, it was perfectly fine. Like, I, I mean, I thought the, the voice acting was pretty good because it was it was kind of like a poor man's Mark Hamill, I felt like, um, which to me is exactly what I think it should be. It's like, this should be sort of, you know, you should feel like you're a part of Red Squadron. And this guy, you know, it's like, oh, okay, you're... You're kind of like Luke Skywalker, but not really. You know, you're just, you're one of the other guys. And it just, it helped for the feel. You know what I mean? Like, it helped for that old school Star Wars feel, but it immersed you in it. Um, I had so, you know, it's it's so interesting to me that, because um, I, I was trying to think about it. I'm, I'm like, I don't know why attacking that uh, Star Destroyer was so fun, but, you know, in the, uh, the Death Star uh dlc when that came out i was just like this was supposed to be good i was supposed to be happy about attacking this this star destroyer and i'm not 
Um, Are they because one of them is on the screen and the other one is underneath you trying to blast your butt off. It's, it's a, there's a different like psychological thing I think that we go through whenever our brain is perceiving a a full three dimensional 360 degree environment than we're seeing it on on a screen, even if we're not registering that it's a different perception. I yeah, think. I, I think that's part of it, but I, a lot of it too. Like I don't feel like um, now. Granted, I haven't I haven't played it. In, in a while um, and, and um, I definitely will go back because I, I want to try the uh, the Scarif content and uh, I can mention that on our, our next episode sort of uh, if I have any extra thoughts on it or whatever it'll probably just be like meh but um, yeah, I mean just last time I remember playing it it just like I didn't even feel like the, the actual Star Destroyer itself was any sort of a threat oh no yeah that in in the, the standard mode in the the battle station mode. I mean, it's not shooting at you. Yeah. I mean, you're just trying to, you know, blow up its four targets or the three targets than the one last target. Uh, it's more of an objective than it is any kind of a thing to worry about. You need to worry about flying into debris more than worrying about the Star Destroyer in yeah. that case. Whereas in the scenario, I don't think we mentioned this, the Star Destroyer is shooting at you and there are turbo laser batteries on either side that you need to take out unless you're going to stay below the Star Destroyer so that it's it can't shoot at you. Otherwise, those turbolasers will just smoke you like mm-hmm. nothing. And and maybe that's something that they should do. Maybe they should... Um, especially because if the Rebels win, um, then it just ends everything. So why not make that Star Destroyer a lot more bulky? Just a thought. Absolutely. And let me end this with a quote here, because this blew my mind. Mm-hmm. As I was sitting, I think, waiting at, I don't know where I was, like the doctor's office or something, <laughs> uh, the other day. Quote, on the long harrowing flight from Wobani, the U-Wing's navigation computer malfunctioned, forcing her rescuers to hail a fleet of rebellion fighters for help. Although the X-Wings were meant to defend them, Jen felt herself trapped between the armed rebels surrounding her and the hatch, her sort of mental box of all the horrible stuff she's gone through, inside her mind. Once again, she had no escape. That's right. This VR mission actually shows up as a reference in the Rogue One novelization. It is canon. And Hell more yeah. story than the actual Rogue One film. And much, no, no, not more than the Rogue One film. More than Battlefront. Oh, we gonna, we going to have at it. We gonna, he gave me some preliminary thoughts when he was down here. Playing yeah. the VR mission uh, about yeah. his thoughts on Rogue One. We may have to throw down. This may be like, you know, who's responsible for all those early bought figures, man. I, mean, I can't, dude, I can't wait. Um, we're, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm obviously playing it up a little more, but uh, whatevs. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I definitely want to talk this um, in our next episode where we can, we really have the time to, to jump into uh, our thoughts on Rogue One. And then, of course, um, you know, mentioned uh, I, I have a little bit better opinion on Scarif now that I have all the things I need, like um, the uh, um, uh, actual service, the PSN, since that expired last time I tried to go to play it. Um, and then, of course, you know, we, we've got uh, lots of things with the uh, the miniatures to, to mention because there's some really cool uh, ships that have come out for both Armada and X-Wing. Um, and a whole campaign for Armada, which is a new thing. Yeah, that's so that's lots of cool really stuff to cool. Talk about. Yeah, yeah, that's that that's 
that was a, a smart way to go. Um, I mean, besides that, the only thing is, I mean, I guess we're leaving on a down note and I'm sorry, but I didn't know where else to really fit it in. But, uh, as we're recording today, um, mm-hmm. my wife texted me, not as we were recording, she texted me, but she texted me earlier today. And she's like, I just wanted to let you know before you found out from somebody else that, uh, Carrie Fisher passed away. And I was like, this year, man, I mean, it, it's, I mean, seriously, this year has taken so many Star Wars actors from us. You know, I mean, we lost R2. We lost Leia. We lost uh, Red Leader. We lost Akbar. You know, um, we, we lost Jocasta New. I, I'm sure there's probably some other people that, um, you know, that, that, that we've lost that, that I'm just not thinking of. And, and I apologize, but damn it. I mean, it, it's been rough and especially losing, I mean, because Carrie Fisher, I mean, she was one of the big three, and that sucks. I mean, it just like seriously sucks. Um, that's really about all I know to say about it. I mean, do you do you have any sort of thoughts or opinions or anything more yeah. insightful than <laughs> what I've got? <laughs> um, I mean, I when we heard about the heart attack, my thought was this could be it, and then thankfully we heard stable but apparently that that changed um i think uh, there's there's a part of me that says you know of of all three of the big three she had probably the hardest life in general mm-hmm. um bipolar and whatnot trying to self-medicate trying to i mean i mean volunteering for electroshock therapy um to try to to get a handle on things um and had sort of the roughest ride uh, in in terms of the drug use and whatnot. Again, kind of going back to the self medication thing. That if if someone were to ask me who of the three would you have expected to go first, it would have been her. Mm-hmm. But not now. Yeah. I mean, yeah. seeing her. I mean, I, I guess from previous you know appearances that she had done for a while, it was sort of well, I don't know, you know, how long she's going to be around, but then caught up in all the stuff about the force awakens and then the filming of episode eight, there's sort of a revitalization that you could sort of see in Carrie Fisher that, that was inspiring in the sense that, you know, you, you hope that she's able to continue this forward for a long time. I know episode eight is pretty much finished filming. Um, who knows what they're going to do in episode nine. Maybe they'll wind up, um, using the, the, the Peter Cushing type thing that they did with rogue one. We don't know whether she's expected to even have been in episode nine. We just don't know at this point how this affects mm-hmm. the films going forward. Um, but yeah, I mean, this year has been rough. I mean, I've joked and, and it's kind of getting to the point where now it's almost a bitterness thing. Um, that, I mean, this was the year that the grim reaper reaper got us back for bill and Ted's bogus journey. You know, okay, <laughs> we get yeah. it. You don't like being mocked chill with this stuff i mean we're mm. all, we got a week left yeah no Less i know that now. was the big and thing i was like wow 2016 wanted to go out with a huge boom i guess yeah it just i mean losing a princess and a prince mm-hmm. or prince in the same year but i mean i was kind of like wow and just sort of not shocked but saddened by it you know when i heard about it on the i was on my way back um uh, from Walmart, actually, as I was sitting in traffic listening to the radio, I heard it. I was like, that can't have been Carrie Fisher. And then they repeat the name. Um, and at, from that point onward today, um, sort of feeling it as I was just doing, going about my day to day stuff. And it hadn't really 
hit me in a heavy emotional way. It was sort of like a, a malaise until I saw someone post, um, mm, and he almost gets choked up saying it. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody made a post that just basically said, uh, all of us, uh, I love you. Carrie, I know, R.I.P. Carrie Fisher. And that's when I kind of almost lost my shit, so mm-hmm. to speak. Um, and it's, it's, an, it's an interesting, these are people that you've never met. These are people that um, you, you, you would have no idea in a lot of ways what they'd be like in person, beyond what you see in interviews and beyond what you see at conventions. Um, but they still have the ability to... Uh, to essentially touch someone's life in a way that leaves them inspired where you feel like you know them to some degree, um, which means the loss feels real even if those who, who aren't part of that experience will turn to you and say, you know, why are you saddened over the loss of someone? You don't know this. This is a celebrity. Well, it's the same way that people who weren't fans of Prince thought, you know, why are you so broken up over the passing of Prince or Michael Jackson or whoever? Um, it's a question of how pop culture sort of informs our lives, especially childhoods when it comes to things like Star Wars. So, um, yeah, definitely a sad day for Star Wars fans and bring some lingering questions for the future um, when it comes to the Star Wars films. Um, but I guess those are all sort of questions to be dealt with at a later date. Uh, for now, it's simply um, stages of grief and, and and hoping that 2016 is done taking entertainers we respect um not so bad when it's taking entertainers we don't respect i'm kidding (laughs) mostly kidding um but yeah to to lose one of the big three at the at this point in time especially after the year that we've had Mm -hmm. i can only hope that um that 2017 turns out better than this year did um um which I guess just goes back to that last word uttered by Leia in the film we just saw, you know, hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's, you know, I mean, I, I guess there's a there's a lot good uh, from it. It just to me, you know, it, it's kind of like you said. I I wouldn't have thought as much now, you know, because I beforehand, you know, maybe a couple of years ago, I I would have been like, yeah, I kind of see that. But now when um, you know, she's been in the best shape she's been in in years and stuff. And, you know, I would have thought like, hey, you know what? She's doing pretty good. But I guess, you know, uh, your time is when your time is, you know, and it's uh, it's definitely going to leave a huge hole. Um, I feel like in, in the community as well as the films. And, um, you know, you mentioned that uh, episode eight is wrapped up, but I mean, they're still going to do reshoots and that's going to uh, potentially affect that. I mean, it's probably going to be minor, but uh, at the very least, you know, they're going to have to work around that for reshoots. Um, You know, just your typical reshoots, not don't want to start the whole rogue one. Oh my God, reshoots thing again. But that's, it's just a thing that happens. Um, And I uh, I think it's funny that there, there are people I've already seen, Places where bringing up this topic of what happens next and and digital actor recreation that mm-hmm. Rogue One kind of opened the door for is the is the I can't believe you're even talking about this. How dare you? That's insensitive. And <clears throat> I just can't can't help but think that Carrie Fisher herself would have been sitting back there flipping the bird at those people saying, "Yeah, it is. 
but it should be talked about mm-hmm. and maybe even kissing the middle finger as she does it. You know, mm-hmm. that's seen a much more uh, much more in tune with reality uh, and and practicality, it seems, and pragmatism uh, mm-hmm. than a lot of of can I use the word snowflakes um, <laughs> <laughs> um, have have sort of expected yeah. in recent years. She was she was certainly a. A character on screen and off screen. Oh yeah, for sure, definitely. I mean, that's that's the thing is, um, you know, if you don't, if you're not gonna miss her, then you just simply didn't know her as. I mean, I mean, even as like I mean, not like a personal thing, but uh, she she was always uh, an interesting listen. You know, just to hear anything that she was talking about, uh, she couldn't not be candid. You know. Yeah, and if and for all the people out there that suffer in some form or another from the kind of things that she herself went through, it was a it was sort of an a shining light on issues that a lot of times we prefer to sweep under the rug. She mm-hmm. was definitely she she was much more of a light the rug on fire personality than sweep anything under it, um, which is is something that'll probably I would think be remembered um, and talked about more um, as this week goes on. And I and I will say I'm I've been very impressed that. A lot, but not not a lot. There's been a fair number of people posting, you know, the the rest in peace Carrie Fisher type messages and whatnot uh, on Facebook, Twitter, and such. And usually, if it's anything having to do with Leia, like, hey, let's do a, a take a blank comic book cover and do some original art of Leia on it. Eight times out of ten, slave Leia, metal right. bikini, the objectivization of Leia in a sense. Um, but there are a lot of people who are not only posting, you know, other pictures of her or of her in character, but quite a few I've seen with the uh, posting pictures of her later in life and and in The Force Awakens and the idea that, you know, you know, this is someone who may have been a princess, but she went through all of these things. The real person did, too. We remember you how you were. Mm-hmm. And that... That gives me a sense of, um, I don't know, hope for fandom. Right. That uh, that when something strikes, there's a unifying force, so to speak, no pun intended. <laughs> um, but that there's also sort of a decency that rises to the fore that we've talked about before. Seems like so often has been lacking um, in recent years. Oh yeah, certainly. So, you know, there, there's there's always a silver lining. Um, you know, we just gotta see how this all is going to play out um it's you know it's going to be what it's going to be um but uh you know we just have to uh keep marching forward and um speaking of which you know i I think we're going to go ahead and and cut this off here but we definitely both want to get an episode out uh much sooner than than what our normal schedule is we've kind of fallen to a, a monthly podcast uh format here lately just because of um just the the regularity of which you know news content comes out for star wars gaming but uh we've got quite a bit stockpiled um so we 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 certainly want to get another one out here soonish um but until then of course you can always find us um at our home star wars reports uh network which is just you know starwarsreport.com of course we're on twitter uh, Cloud City Casino on there. Same thing with Facebook. Um, I am Morris Isley on Twitter, 
And then, of course, um, if you haven't already, subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher. Tune in. Uh, we are on the Star Wars podcast app on uh, the Google Play Store. Uh, and any of those, it seriously helps us uh, if you uh, give us a, uh, a review, preferably uh, five stars. It's always good. And uh, definitely if you write something. Because then I, I know, like a little more about what you do or don't like. Um, I think we actually just got a, a review recently, but I, I'm, I may be wrong on that, but I was looking at it. It looks like uh, we just got one more, but I don't think it was a written mm-hmm. review. Uh, somebody just gave us five stars, looks like. So they liked it, but they didn't say what they liked. Um, so, yeah, you know, whatever. Thank you <laughs> for that, at least. Um, but, uh, I mean, that's about it, Nate. Uh, you want to tell all the places you are and things that you're doing right now? Sure. Uh, the Star Wars Timeline Gold, the most comprehensive Star Wars chronology available anywhere, uh, had a new release back in October, about 3,000 pages. That's at StarWarsFanWorks.com slash timeline. Uh, I'm also on Star Wars Beyond the Films. Me and Mark Herleman have been rounding out uh, 2016 with year-in-review episodes for that. That's at StarWarsReport.com also. And then on YouTube, it's YouTube.com slash user slash chrono radio, C-H-R-O-N-O radio as one word. Uh, lots of Fantasy Flight Games reviews. Recently, uh, live streams, PSVR content, mostly Star Wars content, my From the Star Wars Home Video Library, and so on and so on. Um, And hopefully soon, there will be news to share about uh, a Star Wars Home Video book that I am working on. Unofficial, but uh, scholarly, so it should pass muster and hopefully be uh, available through Amazon sometime next year. But more on that when, you know, we get there. Awesome. Um, With that, uh, the only thing left to be said is... Let the Wookiee win. And remember, to me, she's royalty. So, this time, let the general win. it's draven that guy was kind of a douche what a dick (laughs) and he was a (laughs) rebel (laughs) there we go that's that makes for a nice ending doesn't it right what a dude (laughs) get these burps out holy god all right this party's over